Father, thank you that a sacrifice was made. A sacrifice that was perfect in every way. A sacrifice that had no stain, no sin, no flaw. And that sacrifice was made for us with all of our sinfulness and all of our problems. And because of that sacrifice, we now have perfect access to you. And we have an advocate, your son, who intercedes for us and and pleads our cause before your throne. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for the work that you've done for us by your grace through your Son. In Christ's name, amen. How many of you would consider yourself normal? No? Okay, I'd agree. Um, Normal? What's normal? This has been a question that has come up in my mind in many ways. Earlier this week, as I was preparing for this, there was an interesting ad in the Wall Street Journal. It stated this, science will bring us back to normal. Okay, we'll see how that works out. And that fits in very well with with something that I have observed over the past few months. There have been repeated conversations in which I've heard things like this. I want things to be the way they were. When all things return to normal, why can't we do things the way we used to? When will church be normal? What if church can't be like it was? And a very common one that I've heard is, I want life to be normal again. And I've shared in, in those conversations, I've kind of, I've related to that. I, I share the frustration in those conversations. But those conversations about normal also started me thinking, what is it that believers actually consider as normal? And I believe there are times as believers in the church that we have a problem with our understanding of normal. And I began to think about examples in Scripture that uh, show us some differences in normal and also show us how God changes our perception of normal. The first example that, that came to mind from Scripture is Adam and Eve. There they are in the garden. That was their normal in the garden. That was perfection. Nothing could be better in the garden. I mean, you had, you had perfect access to God himself. You could relate to him one-to-one. That was their normal. But they sinned. And in their sin, God confronted them, and God passes judgment, and they were removed from, their, from the garden. They were re- removed from their normal Now, we don't have a a passage that describes or states what they felt or thought, but it would seem reasonable to me that they would have missed normal. I mean, really think about what what that was. 
absolute perfection in the garden. And you're taken out of that perfection into a broken world. So after, after the garden, I can imagine Adam and Eve having some conversations about normal. Eve comes to Adam, dear, I really would like to go back to what was normal. And Adam's going, sorry, babe, but do uh, you know there's that flaming sword thing? We're, I, I can't get you there. The reason that I think they would think those things is because of how unique their normal was and how different their life had become. Life outside the garden became very hard and uncomfortable. One of the things that I thought of being an old farmer was suddenly to to till the ground and to work the soil, they, they discovered what thistle was or that straight from hell plant bindweed. And it's scary out there. They wanted to return to normal. And normal for them would have been the garden. That relationship they had in perfection with God. Another example in scripture that I like is is the Israelites wandering in the desert. This is an interesting history of, of Israel. Because God miraculously delivers them from Egypt. The, the ten plagues, all that stuff, all those miracles are happening. And then you've got the blood on the doorposts and the lintels. And there's the, 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 what we now call the Passover. And they're, they're taken, they're led out of Egypt. And they come to the Red Sea. And they're trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army coming. And God parts the Red Sea and, and they walk across on dry ground. What an incredible miracle. It's so great that there's a, a wonderful song. And part of it, uh, Moses sings, you can find it in Exodus 15, but here's, here's a part of it. Verse 11, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? So you have a little bit of an indication of a norm there. But later, as the Israelites wandered in the garden, or wandered in the garden, wandered in the desert, They wanted to return to normal. And their lives had become very difficult. And they were uncomfortable. Normal for them, their thinking of returning was to return to Egypt. We see this, Numbers 14.3. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Doesn't that sound like those same things? When can we get back to normal? I also thought about Peter. He's one of them I thought about. There's many, many examples of this. But Peter's a neat guy. He's he's really close to Jesus. He's right there in the garden. Jesus is arrested. Peter then denies Christ three times. Jesus is crucified. And for Peter, everything is hopeless. And in his hopelessness, he gets frustrated and impatient. And in that frustration, he goes back to what his normal was. 
what his normal had been, and that was fishing. And that's not the, you know, recreational kind of stuff that, that I like to do. Hopefully I'll do again someday. Soon. We're not talking about recreational fishing. This was his job. This was his, his, his livelihood. So he goes back to that normal. It didn't work out well for him. There are other characters in the Bible that give us this same idea of God dealing with how we perceive normal. And there's two characters this morning that I want us to focus in because they, they impacted me greatly. And so if they impact you greatly, great. Is that good speech? If not, you can come up with your own because you'll see this pattern. The two characters that I, I see in scripture that are important for us are Paul and Job. First, Paul. If you remember, scripture introduces us to this character by calling him Saul. Saul was the passionate Pharisee. His normal was serving God and defending the law. And there's, there's a passage in Philippians 3 that describes how Paul perceived or defined his normal. Philippians 3, 5 and 6. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteous which is in the law, found blameless. So as Saul, that was his normal. Then came the road to Damascus. And his life completely changed. And God messed with his normal. Paul becomes a believer. A couple days of blindness and all that stuff. And as he, he becomes a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, his normal is radically changed. God changed how he perceived what was normal. What did he change it to? Well, one of the things that we see his normal as being different. There's lots of them in Paul's writings, but I like this one in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul's new normal is a normal of suffering for Christ. He describes it again in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And counted them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. The new norm for Paul is that he sees uncomfortableness of persecution, being beaten and left for death, being shipwrecked and being stoned. He sees that as normal. And he also sees that normal as to be celebrated because he was suffering for Christ. 
The other thing that you see in the life of Paul and many of the other characters in, in the scriptures is that they're not looking backwards. When God changes our normal and when we, when we choose to be in a biblical normal, we don't look back and go, boy, I'd really like to go back to the old normal. I don't want to go back to the old normal of my life before I knew Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Paul never looks back. He's always looking forward. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which was also, for, for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. His normal wasn't looking back at how things had been when he was a Pharisee. His new normal was looking forward, even in the persecution and the struggles and the suffering, to what he was and who he was in Christ. Job's the other character that has impacted me a lot this week as I've thought about this. We know the story. And if you don't, I really encourage you to take a, a good in-depth look at the book of Job. Job loses everything. His family, his property, everything. He's suffering physically. And his, his friends accuse him of, of sinning. And his lovely wife, the delight of his marriage, comes to him and says, Curse God and die. Thank you, dear. Everything has changed. He'd love. And you can see this hinted at and, and implied in, in what Job expresses. He'd love to return back to normal. He would love to have his life back, wouldn't he? But God, in his sovereignty, does something to Job, and he does that with us. He changes Job's normal. Now, I would love to, to read the entire passage, but we, we have a limited amount of time. So I encourage you to read Job 38 through 42. It will help you understand and see this idea. Here are a couple of highlights. We begin with God speaking. Job 38, beginning in verse 3. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements? Since you know, or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or, or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb? And when I made a cloud its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come, but no further. And here shall your proud waves stop. God has power over all of creation. He's the creator. 
And he goes on through many examples from creation. It's such a fantastic declaration of the sovereignty of God. He is sovereign over everything. And as the passage at the end of Job goes on, Job responds. And he responds with a new understanding of normal, beginning in chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have decided or I have declared that which I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. He gets, he gets it. He understands the new norm. God has changed his perception of what's important, what's normal. So, where this takes me then is that it really does apply to us. We live in a time of COVID-19, and we hear the stories of rioting and unrest, and it's easy for us to want to go back to what was normal. And the danger with that sometimes is that really what we're saying is we want to go back to what was comfortable. It's so easy for us to find a place in our life where we were really comfortable, and that's where we want to stay. We want to be comfortable But I would suggest that we establish a better understanding of normal for believers. As believers, we should have a different view of what is normal. One way that we need to think that through is that for a believer, we should know that none of the events and conflicts that we struggle with surprise God. None of those things that we see around us and struggle with are out of his control. He is in total, total, sovereign control over COVID-19. You know, I read articles and and you hear all kinds of conflicting ideas of of what COVID does and what it doesn't do and how we got it and on and on and on. And you come away kind of going, okay, so does anybody really know? Yeah. Yeah. God does. He knows everything about it, and it's in his control. I think about the civil unrest, the rioting, and God's in control of that, too. He's in control of that. And you think, well, that's really evil stuff. How could God be in control of that? There's some conundrums there that are hard for us, but he is still God. He's in control. He's in control of everything that exists, including all of the governments on this planet. No matter what any government system, any country does, God is still sovereign. So normal for a believer should rest firmly on that foundation. God is sovereign. And as believers... 
we can rest there. Along with that, related to that, is that the believer's normal rests on Scripture. Scripture is where we learn about God. It's where God has revealed himself to us. It's where we, we discover his nature. And it's how we can determine and, and discover how he becomes our normal. Our relationship with him is normal. So as believers, we need to strive, we need to continually strive to live in God's normal, to to think through our life and live in a biblical normal. And there's a very interesting result when, when you pursue this. The result is that in God's normal, the virus, civil unrest, they don't they don't create fear. I'm not afraid of it. The insanity of our political system, and excuse me, just the stupidity in our society. Do do any of you ever read the things that are going on and just go, how stupid can this get? Those things don't produce fear either. Instead, when we walk in the normal of a believer, we find that we can be at rest. When God is our normal, I can find rest and peace. And when I walk out of that normal and I say like the Israelites, I want to go back. I then also remove myself from that rest. I also believe that in these times, and you can also see this through history, That God has a purpose for these times. And I I believe this morning we need to to think carefully of what God's purpose is for those of us who believe. Those of us who are Christ followers. One of those purposes that I think God does in these difficult times is that he wants us to look to him. To spend more of our day, more of our life looking For God and being with Him. To have a passion for Him. And I believe along with that is He wants the church to have a passion. A passion for the Word and He wants each believer to have a passion for the church. That's part of His purpose when we have difficult times. And I also believe for believers... These are the ways that God moves among us to change our normal so that we have a deeper passion, a greater zeal for the lost. Those normals are what I see in Paul's life and Peter's life and the Apostle John's life and many other characters throughout the Bible and through church history. The normal is that we should be so taken, we should just be so passionate about the church and about the word and about each other as believers and about the lost. That's our norm. Yeah, it would be comfortable in many ways to return to what was. 
But there's a greater excitement, there's a greater expectation, there's a greater place when our norm is pressing on to that high calling in Christ Jesus. Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, James, many Christians throughout the history of the church, there's something else that they taught, or I should say they didn't teach, that we need to remember. They didn't teach that believers need to find comfort. The Christian life is not taught in Scripture to be a life of comfort. Normal for a believer is to be living moment by moment in faith, believing in God's sovereignty and living out Passages like Romans 8, 28. We, we make things that hang on the wall about it. It's such a beautiful saying. But do we actually believe it so that's how we live? You're familiar with Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's a statement about believers. Believers know that God causes all things to work together for the good. All things. You will not find a passage in Scripture where God says for believers, you know, what I've done for you is I've found a way for you to be really comfortable in all that you do. Our comfortable, if you're looking for comfortable, will be in the future. In what God has promised for us for eternity. What's normal? We may need to examine that in our lives. And hopefully, in our lives as believers, we haven't left that biblical norm and are trying to figure out how to get back to it. We can do that, but you know, it's better if we, if we don't even go to that place where we say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. Hopefully, we are at a place in our life as believers where we're pressing forward even when there are difficulties and change. This idea of biblical norm is actually the vision of this church. And, and I, I put this together because... It made so much sense to me that things have changed and so many of the conversations I've had relate to how we operate as believers within the church. So the biblical norm is actually the vision of First Baptist Church. What is that vision? To glorify God. To love God passionately. To love other believers passionately. And to go everywhere and make disciples. That's a simple vision. It doesn't have anything to do with COVID-19. Do we have to make adjustments? Yeah. But our normal is that vision. That normal then also takes, takes a, a view of pressing forward and and that, that idea of, of going forward and really pressing on with the things that God would have for us to do as believers. And I think that involves seven basics that we have incorporated in the core values of our church. 
Those seven core values are biblical instruction, prayer, family, evangelism, giving, fellowship, and ministry. And if you think that through with a a real biblical norm, we don't have to change those seven aspects, those seven core values, because of this thing called COVID-19. All of those go on and can go on. Our thinking and our energy need to be passionately directed towards moving forward as a church. And each one of you here represents a part of the church. You're the church. I envision this happening. And I envision a way of us pursuing this by seeing us pursue the same things that we would be pursuing even if COVID-19 had never happened. We just may have to make a few adjustments, but we're still going to do the same things, aren't we? For example, at a leadership meeting earlier in the year, I had a list, and here's, here's some things from the list of things that I believe God would have us do as a church, as the church. One of them is increased times of organized prayer. There isn't any reason why COVID-19 puts an end to that. It's a choice. Increased times of organized prayer. Let's be a people of prayer. Let's go on with it. In that meeting, I said, I'd like to see in this year, 25 people come to Christ. Well, actually, I put a number on it. I got scolded by Zach and a couple of other people, but I don't really like to mention Zach scolding me, but I scold him too. How many people would you like to see come to Christ? Does COVID-19 interfere with that? It shouldn't. I'd love to see hundreds of people come to Christ. In this community, how many people would you like to see come to Christ? How many people in your own life are you around on a regular basis that you'd like to see come to Christ? There's no reason why we shouldn't pursue that. I'd like to see an increase on our Sunday morning attendance. And, And it's interesting. We... We didn't attend, you know, we weren't meeting together, and then we started streaming and and all that, and now we're doing both, so we have some gathered, and some are gathered with us via electronics and technology, and when you add those together, you add first service, second service, and streaming, our numbers really haven't dropped, and what has been fabulous to me is I've heard stories of people, and, and one of them, somebody said, you know, My dad hates the fact that I'm a believer and that I go to church. And this person said uh, to Zach and I, but then we found out that he's watched every one of our services online. What? There is, so we live in this time of COVID-19. There isn't any reason why we should stop meeting or seek to have more and more people involved. The body of Christ is instructed in the New Testament to gather. The word church, ecclesia, it literally means to gather. Do we do that or do we not do that? Yeah, they may put restrictions on us here and there. And you know what? 
If there's more restrictions, then we add a third service or whatever we need to do. We're going to gather. Let's see more people be a part of the church. It's what God wants. Along with that is adding actual members that are committed to the church. We, that, doesn't, that can go on. How about expanding children's ministry? That is huge at FBC. Children's ministry is huge. They're down there right now filling those, those little gray matter, you know, those skulls of whatever with the things of God. The next generation is learning about Jesus Christ. That has nothing to do and is not influenced by COVID-19. We just decide whether we're going to go do it and we may have to make some alterations, but we still expand children's ministry so that the next generation knows about Jesus Christ. That's pursuing something future. We've talked in leadership about starting new small groups. That's no, no problem whatsoever. Let's get some other small groups getting together and, and ministering to one another and building one another up. Discover some service projects that we as the church can do in Douglas and complete them. The youth group did some of that this summer. What a fantastic thing to do for your community. And that is not eliminated because of COVID-19. We make those proper adjustments and we look forward and we press on and we get it done. Another value that we need to be looking at is, is training and adding new leaders, small group leaders, elders, deacons, all of those things that we would, we would call leadership. We can continue that. There's no problem with doing that with COVID-19. And as a church, we add to that and overall participation. I think one of the things that people are, are concerned about is participating in the church. We're so scared. We're so concerned about COVID-19. Well, let's do the things necessary. If that means we have to wear a mask, then we wear a mask. If that means that we have to be careful of who we touch and how we touch, that's fine. I got a couple of elbow hugs today. That was pretty neat. But overall participation, this this area doesn't change. It wouldn't have changed at all from my perspective if COVID-19 had never happened. Overall participation in the church is something that we continually need to look at and make the norm. The normal believer's life is one connected to the church. So what does that look like? That looks like a nursery that has the, the necessary workers week after week. It's Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and, and hosts. It's audiovisual technicians on a regular basis. We have some guys here this morning that have been dedicated to what we've done. They're streaming right now. So some of them are in the other room, you know, doing all the TV stuff and getting that out. We have an audio system going. We have the, the slides going. Some of these people have worked week after week after week. They have done a phenomenal job of keeping us present in our community. Would you thank them? <clears throat> I 
awesome individuals. But you add three or four people back there, and then you have some of those technicians who no longer have to do it four, five weeks in a row. You get the right people involved, and people, it's not difficult. It doesn't become hard. This needs to become our norm as believers. Who do we serve? Where do we serve? Who do we build up? How can I make the body of Christ bigger, stronger, and greater for the glory of God? What's your part? There's a verse in Hebrews that helps us to see this. I think it's very pointed. And it helps us also when we think in terms of the normal of being a believer and belonging to the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we are in a time where there's things in our society and in the world around us that point to that day coming near. Every moment we become, we, we, we come closer to the return of Jesus. And it says, encouraging, all the more. This needs to become a greater part of our norm, how we serve one another, how we're a part of the body of Christ. Normal for a believer is contributing and participating in church, in the fellowship, in ministry. Normal is not being a consumer. What's your role? In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter speaks to this as well. He says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Employ it. Put it to work. The normal is every believer serving every believer. So the question that I leave you with to think through and and let the Spirit of God work in you. Actually, there's two. What are you doing? What are you doing as a believer? What is your contribution to the body of Christ? And the other question is, what is your normal? I'm not interested in going back. I'm interested in going forward. Let's do that together and see what God will do with First Baptist Church, with the church as a whole. And let's look expectantly for his return. Father, I thank you that you have, through your son, saved us from the disaster and the eternal pain and suffering of hell. I thank you that by the blood of Jesus, we have been brought into your presence. We have been adopted. We are sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. Help us 
Holy Spirit to understand in a practical way that position that was provided through Christ is now our normal. Holy Spirit, stir us up to not be content with being comfortable. Stir us up, Father, to serve, to participate, and to live expectantly of the great things you have for your people. Thank you, Father, that you love us and you want us to serve us, serve your church and your people. I ask, Father God, that in all that we do in our life, that we would glorify you. And our purpose would be to live in the normal of who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.